This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Welcome to Vulnerable. This episode has a really special guest. Um, I met her at VidCon not too long ago and fell in love with her. And I'm so, so happy that she's in my life now um, because I, I foresee that we're going to be friends for a really long time. Um, and uh, we have a really great chat and I didn't even realize it, but I literally knew her mom from way, way, way back. So we were destined to be in each other's lives. <laughs> Executive producer, actress, singer, and wordsmith, Kira Kosserin. How's your day been? What have you been doing? My day's been good. Oh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. All sorts of good stuff that I just simply legally can't talk about. But oh, I love that. I know. Doesn't that sound so mysterious? And like, Ooh. it's not that exciting. You're originally from Jersey. I'm originally from Jersey. Although, so my family's from New York. I don't remember Jersey super well. My parents moved there to like raise me in the suburbs while my parents were both doing Broadway theater. They just like didn't want to deal with raising me in the city, but they had to be close to Manhattan for work. And so born in Jersey, um, but I left when I was like seven or eight yeah. for my dad's work, moved us to Florida for several years. Well, we have a lot of parallels. So. Yeah, we were just talking about this and then we were like, shit, we weren't recording any of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I came into the, the studio today and was like, holy shit. Sorry, can I curse on you? Uh-huh, Great. you I was absolutely like, can. Holy shit, Christy. We are grown ass women. So true, so true. <laughs> um, I was like, I had in my my calendar, my mm-hmm. my family shared iCal that is- I fucking love A that. religious experience. Like I need to do like- yeah. I don't think anyone would look at it, though. I love it. It's, I'm the only one who I'll look at it. it. Do yeah. you want to share with me? I bet you would. Just to make you feel seen? Yes. Oh, I would. I would text you. and be like, oh, I see you at yoga. How's it going? I, I would love to have you as a friend. Deal. Okay. You, we can do that. Okay. Um, I think that's what's happening right now, I actually. So. Um, I, I had, like, Christy Carlson Romano podcast in my in my calendar, and both of my parents independently texted me and were like, I'm sorry, you're doing what with whom? And I was like, Christy, like we we met at VidCon. We had a great conversation about like growing up as ex like Disney Nickelodeon actors. And like yeah. we met through Allison Stoner and blah, blah. And my mom, my, my parents were like, you know that she worked with your mother for a really long time. And I was like, no, I didn't know that. So I came in and I was like, have you seen this video? And I just showed Christy this video of her. How old are you in that video? I think I was, I feel like that was Bob Marks. Did she work with Bob Marks? I have no idea. Okay, there was this like one guy was who was like born. a big, he was everybody's Broadway um, singer. He was also like a, he wasn't a composer of independent stuff, but he would be the person you'd come to to work on your music with. Like a ranger. Yes. Music director. mm -hmm. Yeah. And he had a machine and he would actually compose. Like if you needed like 16 bars of a particular song, not only would he help you pick out the song, but I, he's the reason he was my first vocal coach. 
And he was everybody's vocal coach. And he would put on like a talent show every year. And I believe that that was where I saw that video. I think I was about, uh, I, it looks like I was nine. You looked like nine or 10. So, so Christy is nine or 10. It's her along with another girl who I've known my whole life named Gina. And then my mother in her like early thirties singing and the three of them singing and dancing together on stage. And it's like clear as day, a video of Christy and my mother from however many years ago. Let's unpack the fact that when you showed me that video, I had almost no recollection. You really didn't. I was expecting you to see it and go, oh my God. And you were like, I don't think it was until you heard the melody that you were like, oh. Sort of, yeah. That's like You know what, weirdly enough, it was actually the bow and the hair. Yeah. It was this long bow and I never wore stuff like that. It's funny you say that because I have so many child memories childhood memories that yeah. I remember by what I was wearing. Weird. Like right? I, I'll talk about it all the time. I'll be like, dad, I have a no. memory and I can't place it. And I was wearing that pink dress and the big pink bow in my hair and the headband. And we were somewhere with windows and I was wearing those patent leather shoes. And he's like, I don't remember where we were based on what you were wearing. But it's yeah. Like, <clears throat> you know why? Because of sensory. Totally. Because what you were just talking about with your sensory stuff, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is. To this day, it's why I always wear like thin sheer tights whenever it's like my birthday or I'm on stage or I want it to feel celebratory because that's mm-hmm. what my mom used to put me in on like special family holidays. Oh, that's so sweet. She put me in little tights because I was a little ballerina too. So I had yeah. so many tights. Oh, put me in little tights and it still makes me feel fancy. It goes further. So not only oh, did yeah. I yeah, play with your mom when I was a kid, um, which I kind of vaguely remember that performance and I kind of vaguely remember your mom being really sweet. She's a good one. Yeah, I kind of vaguely remember when I was little, mostly in the theater community, the adults were extremely loving. Yeah. And like, I just remember always thinking the theater community was so loving that when I, you know, eventually did become an adult in the theater community, yeah. I was like, this is catty. Yeah. And a little bit different. Yeah. But when, I'm glad you had a good experience as a I kid, did. though, because, you know, from what I've heard the, uh, the in the theater industry and what I've experienced as a young child actor in the Hollywood industry, it's not always great for everybody. So I'm glad you had a good experience. But to, to wrap this up quickly. Complex. You were in Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> which my mother did for many, many years. My mother was in beauty before I was born while I was in utero and for a while after I was born. And my uncle, Kaz, was a music director and arranger who you have very my strong My conductor, my arranger. Kaz and I, um, so I had, um, right before Bell, I had a, a vocal cord surgery. Oof. It was really extreme. Oof. I went in and bombed my audition for Bell. And then I had to go get the surgery. And I came back like a couple months after and they were still, I still had a small window and the window was closing for this 13th anniversary bell. Yeah. And I had steroids and I wasn't supposed to do it. I'd like the, just the freaking audition, I wasn't supposed to do it. Yeah. But I, I, we were, we, it was very important that I do this. And it was a dream role, like you were saying. It really is. So I did it and I booked it and it was, it was extremely, I should probably not have done it at that time in my life, but it was the only time that it would have happened for me. So I don't have any regrets for pushing myself through it. However, I wasn't probably the most qualified when it came to the vocalness of the character. Um, And I never was let to be, nobody ever told me that I was like (laughs) the best singer when I did Belle because there was a legacy of Bells that were so flawless that it was like, I felt like I was disappointing an entire legacy. However, they were at, 70% 70% capacity when I came and 99% capacity when I left. And and I Sell knew- Sell those tickets, girl. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and I knew that that was the transaction, but I left thinking like, who really advocated for me and who was really there for me? And honestly, Kaz was- Cause was there, like, and that's your. You said your. That's uncle? my uncle. my dad's brother. I really, really care for him a lot. He's the best. I'm not. Isn't that weird? How like, as like child actors growing up, like you kind of have the tendency to like have these like 
almost like familial bonds with people that totally may not even like they see you as a young person in the arts and they're like, this kid's got it or this kid like I want to be nicer. I want to be nice to this kid. Yeah, I can't explain it. Well, they're they're like mentor relationships almost. And I feel like they're 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 almost like what we get. Whereas for most kids, it's that one random teacher who you connect with. Yeah. Who changes your life? And yeah. obviously, we did hope still still have those too because I did go to school too. But yeah, it's different when you're like the only kid in an environment of a lot of actors. You've got a professional role. You've got professional level stress. You've got people counting on you. You've got responsibilities way beyond what you should have at your years. Mm-hmm. If you find a, a person, an adult who like will take you under their wing and be kind to you and keep you mm-hmm. safe, like that's the godsend. That changes everything. It really does. It changes everything. Yeah, the culture of mentorship was something that I think really pulled me through. Um, you know, to continue to continue to work like it. Weirdly mm-hmm. enough, it was it was Gary Marsh, who was the head of mm-hmm. Disney Channel, was oh, the was know. the you know Gary Marsh. <laughs> yeah, um, he's retired, long since retired, and you know I, he he really was the one that I think just liked me, and he kept hiring me, and he kept giving me opportunities. Yeah. But I'd have to audition for things like impossible. I had to audition for that. It wasn't just given to me. Um, but nonetheless, I was considered, and like uh, I'll never forget. Like I actually really disappointed him. Um, a couple times, but I disappointed him um, when we were at my at the Emmy Awards. I was I was um, uh, nominated for Kim for an Emmy Award, and me and my parents were not on good terms. But they were sitting at the the Emmy Award like table, mm-hmm. and I was with this guy that I was dating at the time, who was basically like, "You can't be talking to your parents anymore." It was wild, um, but basically his heart was breaking for me because he was like, "These are your parents. Like, can you not figure this out?" And so. Sometimes like, you know, you go through these like um, growing pains, Mm. you know, and what what, what I love about your story is that your family is in the industry, but it's like, damn, they did a good job. Well, so here's the thing with my parents. Uh, They're I always call them anti-stage parents because (laughs) this is maybe going to be a little insensitive, but the soundbite that we often say in my family is that my parents had seen enough little Annie's go crazy. Mm -hmm. Like my parents had seen a lot of kids be taken advantage of a lot of kids on uppers and downers to get through an eight show a week schedule or, you know, four show if it was a split cast. But wait, so you've heard about the Annie's. Um, Kate Flannery was on from the office ah. and she told me because she's obsessed, like, like very much obsessed with Annie. She always huh. wanted to be Annie. Um, Redhead things. Yes, I think. Yeah. I think so. But <laughs> she she was talking about how those girls had an open invitation to go to Studio 54. Oh, yeah. It's it's there. You're a Barrymore at that point. Like you're you're in like the fuck. Yeah, I That's nuts. <laughs> They, they had seen a lot of that and yeah. they knew that I loved, I mean, I grew up literally at the Lunt Fontan Theater, like doing cartwheels on stage with the silly girls. Mm-hmm. Like I, I grew up so in theater and I loved it. And I was also like a precocious little kid who never shut up and loved all eyes on me. And yeah. so they, I don't think they were surprised when I wanted to like pursue theater and acting and all of that. But I think that they were surprised how seriously I took it as quickly as I took it. And mm. when I was like 11 or 12 and the opportunity to like moved to LA and become an actor mm-hmm. pr- presented itself. It was uh, real. They, they didn't want me to work. And they, I, if I remember correctly, I think that they were basically like, show us that you can put in the work and then we'll consider it. And, and I was, so I was doing like zoom acting classes and like everything back from, from Florida we were living in. I, I think one day I was on a zoom acting call with my teacher at the time doing a scene from, I think it was from Lemonade Mouth, the Disney movie that had like just been circulating. I think it was still in casting and he had like gotten his hands on a, on a side, mm-hmm. packing his sides. And my dad came downstairs to yell at me for speaking disrespectfully to an adult because he thought I was being for real. I was acting. I was doing a scene 
and I guess I did it well enough that my dad thought I was actually being a bitch. And he came downstairs to yell at me and he thought I was doing a scene. And he claims that that's the moment that he was like, damn, she can actually do this. Like, all right, fine. But also and I kind of low-key have to shade the fact that uh, a lot of times um, people in like some of the younger scripts will be rude to adults. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a big thing on, it was a big thing on Nickelodeon. Like there was always a temper on like how rude we could ever be because like you're teaching values and it's very it's it's all about family fa family friendly and the brand and yes uh i mean even to the point where like the whole thing was about like two siblings who were rivals literally a superhero and a supervillain mm -hmm. and we couldn't be we had to be mean to each other because that was the whole engine of the show i mean I, we couldn't be too mean to each other and you know what else it's like with even stevens too it was like he, he, everyone could be rude to him, but nobody could be rude to him. I could be rude to him, but nobody else could be rude yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is kind of true to life with like the way that siblings are. Totally. One of my favorite versions of that was the, there was a best friend character who was like your, your typical ditzy head in the clouds, mm -hmm. like kind of goofball of a best friend. And she would say things that were so out, outlandish and so outrageous and so just like disconnected from reality as you do in a child's sitcom. Mm -hmm. And they always were, it was really important to them that I always replied with like a, Oh, you, you're so endearing and lovely and charming. Even if the words I had to say was like, what are you talking about? It could never be, what are you talking about? It was always, what are you talking about? Okay, <laughs> I accept you and I love you for who you are. And I remember being like 15 or 16 and being like, I wish somebody would regard me that way when I'm acting yeah. like an idiot. Like that was- Like sweet. somebody giving you grace. Yeah. Yeah, Just that's like nice. letting you be a little, a quirky little thing. So I was like, I was a quirky little thing. I'm still a quirky little thing. Let me ask you this. So yeah. when you started auditioning um, for like Disney or Nickelodeon, like yeah. was there a different vibe between yeah. those? So, <laughs> so I moved out, I moved out to LA at 12, right before I turned 13. Started high school because I had skipped a couple of grades. That the was my- I know that was my parents' other reasoning. They were like, when, when you're going into high school, like fine. You can. And I remember being like, I'm not a child actor like all these other child actors. I didn't start acting till high school. And I'm like fucking 12. Like, <laughs> literally could not be more of a child actor. Um, but yeah, I moved out here and I was just, like I said, I was really mile a minute, big cartoonish expressions. Cause I grew up watching Disney and Nickelodeon mm -hmm. and like, and old school sitcoms. I grew up watching like The Nanny and Everybody Loves Raymond and Seinfeld oh, and, yeah. and Friends and like, cause they all played on Nick at Night. Yeah. After I watched my kitty sitcoms, I watched my big kid sitcoms with a, with a stiff glass of milk. And um, I came out to LA and so immediately I got sent right into the Disney Nickelodeon ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And that was what I wanted. I, mm -hmm. That was my reason for coming out here. Mm -hmm. Like never once was I like, I wanna be a serious actor. I was like, I wanna go to LA and I want to be on Disney or Nickelodeon and I wanna be a pop star and a television star and have my own TV show and sing and make music. So I started auditioning and there was always one Disney show and one Nickelodeon show that were about the same thing at any given time. And I would always <laughs> audition for both and only one of them would go, which was always really funny. Um, like for example, um, okay. there was a Disney show called Phantasma, Fantasia, something about ghosts yeah. that was being pitched around at the same time as Nickelodeon's Haunted Hathaways, which was about ghosts. Mm -hmm. There was a Disney superhero pilot that didn't go at the same time as Nickelodeon's my show, which uh -huh. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about because of Strike. <laughs> um, there was a Disney Channel like series of musical kids that was being pitched around mm -hmm. at the same time as a Nickelodeon. So um, it was always different because the Disney auditions were on in the Disney building on the 21st Alameda. floor. Alameda, yeah. On the 21st the green, floor. The yeah. green building. Yeah, 21st mm -hmm. floor was like, if you made yeah. it there, it was big drama and you yeah. saw everybody you knew. Yeah. But I auditioned for, for Disney and Nickelodeon and other things, but for those two and a half years and I went to network 13 times meaning it was between me and one other person. And what kept happening was I would get close-ish for like best friends and recurrings, but usually they, what they would say is like, 
you're too big of a presence, you're going to overwhelm the, the the star of the show. Interesting. Which is a weird thing to be told. Because the 12. best friends are always so big. Maybe it was any. I don't know. Okay. Whatever it was, right. or or it was also that you're green. You have no experience. You can't. We're not handing you the lead but you of a TV have show. Something. But you're good enough to get to callbacks. Yeah. But you're you're not good enough for the the scary network executive running the numbers to take the chance on you. Um, Carrie Marsh. 13, 13 <laughs> times until finally you want to talk about mentors and like relationships that changed my life. Jed Spingarn, who created my show, saw my audition and like was like, I don't care. She hasn't done anything. She's it's her. Like she's the one. And like he literally ended up telling me like the line that I said, the line reading that I said, where he went, "Yep, that's it." America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. I remember when I was in acting class, they said, they said, um, uh, auditions or parts are one in, in seconds and moments. Yeah, totally. And it's true. Like there's just something that about your essence that locks into that character and it's yours. The part is yours. I was really lucky that I really enjoyed it back Mm -hmm. then because there were no stakes. When I was 12 to six, 12 to, I guess I booked the show. I turned 15 on the set of the pilot exactly 11 years ago, like right now. So Mm Uh, I was really lucky. Yeah, that your I, birthday just. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I really Happy enjoyed birthday. auditioning. Thank you. Because I didn't know that there was anything that came after it. I was mm-hmm. like, I get to go into a room and make grownups laugh. Are you kidding me? I'm an only child. That's all I want. <laughs> I get to make grownups think I'm funny, bro. Sign me up. Wow. So I never cared that I didn't get it. Because yeah, I was like, that was awesome. If I made, if I got somebody to laugh out loud, oh, that carried me over for the week. That's all I needed. So you didn't have like, you didn't feel competition with anybody that you saw no, like repeatedly. No, I mean, ugh. I definitely did. Yeah. The industry is set up to give you a scarcity mindset because there's just not enough parts. And also you're all in your like early teens and there's drama. And, a and lot there's of us, hormones too. There's hormones. People have crushes. People are sleeping together. Yeah. People go to school together. You're auditioning against your classmates. So-and-so gets to miss the health test on Friday because she's got a guest star on Desperate Housewives. Like it was yeah. a weird ecosystem to grow up in. But I I made a very conscious choice at like 12 or 13. I was like, ooh, this, this jealousy feeling this is going to kill me. I'm going to simply just make it not exist and just instead decide to like befriend everybody and be everybody's biggest fan and mm-hmm. just like decide to win, to, to celebrate everybody else's successes as my own because I won't survive otherwise. And to this day, I don't know how I did that at 13 because I couldn't do that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're malleable when you're a kid. And it was a, yeah. and it was a coping mechanism, a healthy one. Yeah. But it was a coping mechanism for sure because you, you go into rooms, you know, of a bunch of girls who look like you but prettier. It's also like one, one of those things where like you have to almost like motivate yourself to continue to be a high performing child by like by through shame. Like shame for me was like one of my biggest motivators. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went down. I, the, the force was was the the red force. It was not the uh, blue. What is it? The blue yeah. is the good. Well, it's yeah. It's funny <laughs> that you say that because I, I did end up with shame as a motivator, but it was much later in a very different way. Yeah. And it was when I had enough people tell me like, you're not a real actor. You're a Nickelodeon. Mm. You're not a real. I, it, not even people telling me going to the Power of Young Hollywood Awards and all of the kids on Modern Family are getting hounded by the red carpet people and they don't care who I am. Which in retrospect, like, of course, they were on a hit cable TV show. But right. at the time I was like, we're doing the same job. Why are mm-hmm. they Why are they better than me? And yeah. when the show ended, you know, you're having all of your agents and everybody be like, you got to do something dark and sexy. You got to- Take your clothes yeah, off Yeah, you got to take your clothes off. You got to do something violent. You got to do a horror movie, which like, maybe it's good advice if you want to transition into being a serious actor. But like, 
really not what I ever wanted. I only did it because everyone told me I should. And yeah. After a few years of auditioning and doing horror shows and stuff, I was just like, yeah. I don't actually like this. I like making kids laugh and Interesting. being Lucille Ball and doing physical comedy and slipping on a banana and yeah. putting on a funny costume and yeah. making my eyebrows do crazy things. Like, So you would work with Nickelodeon or Disney. That has nothing to do with your future. It's just that you have a feeling. I mean, maybe I you just put words in your mouth. What? You would work for Nickelodeon or Disney. Like you just want to make kids laugh is like one of your things, one yeah. of your goals. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I just, yeah. I mean, your home is kids. Nickelodeon though, traditionally. Well, like, here's the thing. My, my home is, at least in the acting world, my home is sitcom, multi-cam okay. sitcom. Yeah. Unfortunately, the only place that, that exists anymore is, is children's television. Aww. There really is no multi-cam anymore. Why is that, you think? I don't know. Times change. I think that in, in times of, of, economic crisis and in cultural crisis and in political crisis, I think that media tends to swing really heavily either into very silly, frivolous drama, or fr uh, sorry, yeah. tends to swing into very silly, frivolous comedy as distraction and escapism or into very serious drama. And I think that, you know, in the Great Depression, it was mm. comedy. Mm. It, was, it was silly, silly, silly. And I think that in the post-apocalyptic technological hellscape that we live in now, mm. people like to watch something even darker mm. and scarier to distract them from their own problems. Mm. I, I think it's just a cultural thing. Also, I don't know, the form changed. Mm -hmm. It comes from, you know, I mean, that, that whole theater proscenium four camera thing, it mm -hmm. comes from like a very 40s, 50s mentality and it, mm -hmm. it evolved over years to, to something else, but I still love it. Yeah, I know course. that there are kids who still love it because they watch the show. Well, I know yeah. that there are kids who still watch The Office and Friends. Oh, not The Office because that's not what... Multi, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Friends and Cheers and Frasier and yeah, the nanny. Situ and well, situational comedies and Office is yeah. probably. I mean, it is really interesting how that was like almost hybridized. Yeah, because it, it was well, such the, a real world. The you invention almost, of the single single cam sitcom is is a very interesting. It is. Genre I could see shift. you on something like that though. Yeah, it's something that I would do. It's something I would feel confident doing in terms of like, would I be good at it? But it's not. I wouldn't enjoy it nearly as much as Multi because again, the whole point is hearing people laugh for me. Mm. just like what does it feel like when people like when you make somebody laugh it feels like when you're at a dinner party and somebody says something and you drop something super witty and everybody laughs i mean it's yeah. a stupid equivalency people laughing feels like people laughing but in terms of like a way but that everybody you, can understand more. yeah it's just it's it's that instant i don't know it's the way my family is always communicated we're loud we're talkers and your cultural social currency is comedy. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, how many times can you make that person laugh in a conversation is like a, a big part of what makes a conversation feel successful, I think. I don't uh -huh. know. It's yeah. just turning into therapy, but. Oh, no, I love it, though. I'm yeah. kind of really curious about it. Yeah. Because would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? <sighs> um, I have a big social battery. Therefore, it takes a long time to charge. So I like people. I, I even like little micro interactions with strangers. Yeah. I, I can usually go to a party and hold my own feel pretty confident that anyone could ask me anything and I could find a way to respond to it pretty comfortably. But I need like two nights a week completely to myself. I need like two nights a week, just me and my partner. I need quiet, like physical audio quiet a lot of the time. I need time to sensory. process. You need yeah. sensory, like you were overloaded. Calm down, yeah. And you need to like regulate your body. Regulate, yeah. So you're I get overstimulated, massive yeah. on social media. Yeah. And it's fantastic. <sighs> Okay, so tell me about, <laughs> tell me about that. How how did that happen? Because you know, I yeah. was I I just didn't get that. That wasn't something that we were. Yeah, it's uh, it's super interesting. So, I when I was on Nickelodeon, you know, they 
I think Danielle Monet actually mentioned this, that they were like, everybody, you need to make an Instagram because this is about to be a thing. And mm -hmm. they helped us all get verified and they helped us all make our usernames. I was fascinated watching her talk about it. Okay, good. I'm glad you watched that. But did you guys actually like all sort of sit together and get media training together? Or did they do some sort of a programming for they you? They did them in various groups. Yeah. Were they just your set? Just your <sighs> cast or? I don't remember, to be honest. Okay. I was so like, wow. Because Disney ah, does that. I'm or on at TV least now. Like, I don't remember. Disney branded partners, I guess. They're not Disney Channel anymore. Yeah. Um, but they basically do these things where they end up having like mini little proms and stuff. They have like these like parties. For I them. got invited to those because I had a lot of friends on Disney. So mm -hmm. I did go to some of the Disney proms. What were they like? I never, um, I, we didn't have problems. They're like events. They're like fun events. It's yeah. it's very sweet. I, I appreciate yeah. the sentiment. There was a yeah. lot of Disney Nickelodeon cross-mingling, which people I think would be very surprised to know They about. are. They also, uh, sometimes we weren't allowed to visit each other's sets. See, I wasn't making it up. Which is funny because there were people who were dating. Literally one of my co-stars was dating a Disney star. This happened multiple times. He dated a couple of Disney stars where we weren't allowed to visit each other's sets. And they, Wait, why? I don't know. They think there's going to be some sort of corporate espionage. I don't know. I love that. I'm so here for corporate espionage. <laughs> I get it. Protect your IP, whatever. Um, I didn't make it up. No. It wasn't a conspiracy. <laughs> How did we get here? What were we talking Bless it. Bless it. What oh, social media. About? Yes. So yeah, so I had an Instagram way back then. There was another app called Gift Boom that I like accidentally got popular on when I was like, 14 because I ran like a dance account kind of not important to the story but kind you of do is, everything is you sing you dance I wow do, everything you executive things. produce indeed cool. um thank you yeah we can we can talk about that in a bit too uh -huh. but uh musically happened and everyone's like you should get on musically I was like another social media I really don't want to but fine and I was lip syncing and making cringy videos like everyone else <laughs> and it started picking up steam and I realized it was because ages like six to 11, which was a huge demographic for my show, weren't allowed to be on Instagram, but they were allowed to be on Musical.ly. And I started getting, whenever kids would come up to me on the street, if they were between the ages of six and 11 or 12, they would say, I follow you on Musical.ly. Will you follow me on Musical.ly? I loved you Musical.ly today. This, was, this would happen to me 20 times a day for like wow. a year. And I was like, damn, Musical.ly's popping off. Okay. Then I kind of stopped for a while and then it became TikTok. And like everyone else, I was like, this is stupid. This is cringe. But then the pandemic hit mm -hmm. and I can't work anymore. I can't audition anymore. I was also in the process of negotiating my major labor record deal and I couldn't put out music until really the, that was done and I had already finished the body of work. So I was kind of just like in this weird period. Obviously, we were all in a very weird period in 2020, yeah. but work-wise. even more. Kinda, yeah, I was kind of mm -hmm. like, what do, I, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm gonna pick up TikTok. And this was in a time where whenever like a celebrity joined TikTok, it was like a huge thing, right? Because yeah. it was like, whoa, our little platform is getting people on it. Mm -hmm. And I posted a video like about the the show that I had been on. First, I posted a video of me just like doing funny tricks with my eyebrows and it got 90 million views. And then I posted Shut a video up, about the show seriously? and it got 333 million views. Because back <gasps> then the algorithm was different. It was insane. You could do that. Yes. So it got 333 million views. And I was like, okay, this could be something. <laughs> All right. All righty. Let's, uh, let's look into this a little bit. And so I started talking with social media agencies. I started doing promotional work. I started getting, you know, paid to do a video to a sound, doing deals with, fashion companies to do, you know, 60 videos for what, how, whatever period wow. of time with whatever company, with right, whatever sure. creative. Um, and it's 60. Wow. That's yeah, a lot. They weren't all like that, but okay. yeah, it became kind of became a job during mm -hmm. the pandemic. And then as I transitioned into putting out music, it became the only way to, to put to out get music, your word out which, there. That's a whole other thing we can talk I about. I know. Ooh. I know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, TikTok, like being a quote unquote digital creator became a job. And I was like, all right, I'm not on TV right now. Let's try it. Yeah. And it kind of worked. Yeah. it's. I'm sure it's going to continue to work. Yeah. I it's not so. like it's going away. 
No, unfortunately. Yeah. I Why do you say that? Because you've had the success of it. Yeah. What's from the a, drawbacks of social media oh fame? Oh, God. So much. Okay. Honestly, we were we were on a panel at VidCon <laughs> together, which is where we were we were finally able to meet here. And um, I, I remember all the folks that were on the stage were really, really great, um, two of which were young. Um, and um, it was Merrick? Merrick Hanna. Okay. Sweetheart. Yeah. We've been running into each other at events since he really? was like a little seven-year-old dancer. He's a sweetheart. Yeah. And, and it's like he really wants to break through and do other things. And um, I read him as being somebody who really is just kind of kind of finding his way through all of it while maintaining like yeah. the fame and the legacy that he's had. And so we were trying to speak about uh, how, we were trying to have a really real conversation about um, being in the, was it being in the public eye or something? Mm -hmm. the, pa the panel was called Surviving the Spotlight, but it we were we were talking about it, but they were young enough where it's like they lacked a little bit of perspective um, on it, and 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 I and I felt like we were sort of almost like talking to them as if like, hey, are you good? Like, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, this has been a great thing for my career. Which they're like, don't talk about it. right. <laughs> to be fair, they're they're in the phase where they're using social media to grow a brand so that they can then come do what we did. Mm -hmm. Whereas we started in traditional media and have transitioned Wild. to the prison of social media, which mm -hmm. has a lot of drawbacks. I pause when I want to talk. So here's the thing with social media. I think that there are, there's two categories, right? There's being a social media, let's say, poster. Yeah. <laughs> let's say a poster with a following, but even just a poster in general. Mm -hmm. And there's being a social media consumer. I think that the the social media poster drawbacks are are obvious, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's hateful scrutiny. Comments. There's hateful comp. A lot of hateful comments. Yeah. There's really on oh, yours. Yeah. Well, I don't know. They feel like a lot, but I'm just very sensitive. Maybe yeah, it's not I'm that many. Sometimes too. I'll say to I'll say to my fiance, I'll be like, which I hate saying my fiance because I hate being there. Girls like my fiance, but <laughs> I don't know what else called. I'll be like, oh my god, this video I posted is getting just ugh, trash, and people are so mean. And he's like. Here, there's literally two mean comments and there's like 3,000 nice ones. And I'm like, but they're so mean. But you're like, but those he's, ones. He's like, yeah. how have you not developed a thicker skin by now? But I just, I'm just a sensitive flower. I'm with you. Be nice to me. I'm with you. I'm you, just, I'm delicate. I will hurt someone for yeah. you. Um, but anyway, I, I feel like it's obvious the drawbacks of posting of, on social media. I feel like what's maybe less obvious because we're all so inundated with it is the drawbacks of being like a user on social media. Like, I'm addicted. I'm so addicted, because girl. It's I'm addic so glad. Because it's built to be oh addictive. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you said it's this. It's based in science. It's a Kira, lottery system of dopamine rewards. Kira, it's bad. It's meant to be high stimulation. Teachers are saying this generation <sighs> of kids can't focus in school. And I'm like, I can't focus on brushing my teeth in the morning. I'm not fucking surprised. Without having my, oh, girl, I'm so glad you said yeah, it. Yeah, it's really bad. Podcasts, I think, are really great because podcasts demand that you listen to an entire conversation. Uh -huh. You can formulate an opinion about what's being said about you know positive or negative yeah. whatever it is but like you have to listen to a full conversation I also think that there's yes I, I do a lot of I talk a lot about like slowing our attention spans back down because I find personally I get really I get in a really bad place mental health wise Me when too. my attention span is cut up like overstimulated yeah um well you're it's just not normal it's yeah. not a human like you have to get back to the land. Like right. you have to go right. like make like some spices in the right. garden well, or something. Here's what's interesting. Love that. <laughs> Would absolutely adore that. Um, what's funny is that like this amount of overstimulation is not human nature, like you said, mm -hmm. but the innate desire to avoid boredom is hmm. so much so that there was a study. I think about this all the time. I think it's fascinating. There was a study where they took, I don't know, let's say a hundred people and put them in a room for 30 minutes, no device, nothing on the wall, nothing to look at, nothing to distract themselves with. And on the table, there was a device. Have you, have you heard this? No. Okay. There was a device. And if they touched it, it would shock them. Painful. Not a fun feeling. And most of the people in that trial, after then being left in the room for another 40 minutes or whatever, 
would press that button again multiple times because the feeling of pain is preferable to the feeling of nothingness. Ooh. We crave stimulation as humans so much. It's one of the first things that can destroy a human brain is being like isolated with no stimulation. Mm -hmm. It's part of why I think that That's solitary confinement is, is barbaric and inhumane, mm -hmm. but we could get into the justice system. That would be a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's not surprising that humans crave to fill boredom, mm -hmm. but humans have never until now had access to something that that fills it so brilliantly and so mm. addictively. And it's mm. scary. I, I yeah, fear it's the for reward system. It's Gen the reward system. Okay, so then how do you regulate yourself then? How have you so, been? You know you're addicted. The first thing is knowing. First step is admitting there's a problem. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Saturdays, all, everybody in my life knows I'm not on my phone from 11 to 6. If it's urgent, text my fiance. Otherwise, I'm not on my phone yeah. and just giving myself, and it always, it always sucks for the first few hours and I feel myself grabbing it. And by the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I can breathe. Yes. How nice. Um, I've also been trying to take up hobbies that don't include screens. So <laughs> I've been crocheting. Yes, using your hands, something tactile. Yes. And something where when you've spent three Crossing. hours doing something mindless and unproductive, you at least have something to show for it at the mm -hmm. end, Yeah, which feels really nice. I like to um, clean, I, I like to um, tackle house projects. Mm. Um, or like, I really like to decorate. Mm -hmm. And so like, if I get to decorate, it seems so trivial and basic bitchery. Girl. But like, I really do though. Like, I really enjoy it. I, you're speaking my language. <laughs> I, I, did I not tell you I have a dresser being delivered right now? We yes. literally have been redoing our apartment for the last like three months and I'm having so much fun. Yeah. It's, it's like, Craft. Building furniture, bro. I love a power tool. I love a drill. You need that's like one of the new show you need or something. You need to do like an HGTV kind of thing. Wait, so you, um, so do you like to craft? I'm not. I'm not good at it, and traditionally, I like things that I'm good at, which is a problem that I'm working through in adulthood because I'm finding it does not serve me well. Okay. Um, but yeah, I like to craft, but I I don't have a lot of like physically artistic skill. But yeah, I'm like learning. I want to learn how to sew. I'm learning yeah. how to craft. I'm like yeah. learning how to get stains out of clothes. I'm yes. basically, you know what it is? I'm basically like realizing that I want to learn all the things that I'm pissed that they didn't teach us in school. What the hell? Why what don't the they have, why, why don't they need have... to know? Listen, knowledge is great. Learning is great. Yeah. The point of school is to learn how to learn. I'm glad I know how to do an algebraic function, even though I don't do it in day to day. Some other kid might have learned it and become an engineer. But why yeah. did you not teach me how to do my laundry? Yeah. Why didn't you teach me how to fill up my car with gas? Yeah. Why didn't you tell me how businesses work? Because mm -hmm. they don't, they yeah, don't or want taxes you to know or anything. Yeah. You try to change the system. That's true. The system <laughs> is actually geared towards creating workers. Right. Private schools and, and, right. and those sort of institutions are breeding ACOs. I think everybody knows that yeah. at this point. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I would have, yeah, not to get, I don't want it to ever veer into weird like conspiracy territory. No, I, I don't think so. But I, I mean, yeah, if you look at like why the school system was built. It was built for work to make workers. Yeah, it was yeah. not built to make people smart enough to overthrow or independent. people in power. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like I remember being a child without having technology and I remember how great it felt. Mm. I remember being bored and looking at the clouds and making shapes and coming up with adventures in my head and picking dandelions and cartwheeling through the yard. Yeah. Um, in Jersey. In Jersey. In Jersey. But I also <laughs> was young enough when technology was introduced that it you could give me an app with nothing in English and I have no idea what it is and I can navigate my way around it. Because it's intuitive to me. Like it's I'm, wild. We're in that weird middle ground. Yeah. I also... It's a little hard for me to speak on it because I skipped those grades. So my yeah. peers were always three years older than me. Yeah. So it also complicates things. Like I relate to a lot of millennial things because those were my peers and my classmates. Yes. This is crazy. But so, I really relate to Gen so Z too. So are you too. just like a genius and you test it out of, of school? <laughs> what if I just was like, um, yes, I'm a genius. Address me as Are such. you Mensa? Are you in Mensa? No. God, no, no. Okay. I, I don't know. I was precocious. Mm -hmm. I, I started talking really young. 
I attribute it a lot to having had the privilege of having had parents who A, could afford to give me really good education and B, cared and were nerds. Like my dad taught me vocabulary words from the time I was a baby. So when SAT prep came around, I already knew all the words because yeah. I've been playing flashcards at the diner with my dad since I was three. So part of it, I think, was just my parents mm-hmm. being nerds and academically yeah. inclined. What's your favorite word? Part of it was being precocious. My favorite word? Mm-hmm. Right now it's um, the medical term for brain freeze, sphenopalatine ganglioneuralgia. You're genius. My favorite actual word is ubiquitous because it's helpful in so many conversations. Yeah. I like obsequious too, just because it's delicious. There was a word I got to tell you. I think it was like, oh, God damn it. I have to figure out this word. And I was like, that is the best word ever. And it was like, it wasn't contingent. It was like contemporaneous. uh, Yes. Let's go with that. Contorsion. Let's go with that. Constant, constant or something like that. Mm. I'll find it. It is in a document. I could read you my list. I have a running tally every month of my favorite words. How the hell did I know that you had a running tally? Do you want to hear my tally? Yeah, of course I do. Um, (laughs) Frippery, languorous, vertiginous, venality, perspicacity, circumspection, vernacular, lugubrious, pernicious, anaphora, tartarian, funicular, diaphanous, redolent, crepuscular. So my favorites of the month. You need to be educating your um, young followers and giving them this. I'm trying. I want to do a word of the day series on TikTok. It's just every time I open up TikTok, I want to jump off a bridge. So I get that. (laughs) My God, I I have a really hard time with TikTok. No, you're totally, it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable. Oh, it it do be. It do be. It do do be be vulnerable. It do be vulnerable. Okay, so check it. What are you doing with the executive producing thing? And I am really excited for you. Thank you. Yeah, so I worked on that show on Nickelodeon from 2012 to 2017. We wrapped in 2017, it aired until 2018, and then went on our way. And then in COVID, the show got really popular again. It went like number two on Netflix or something Mm -hmm. like that. And kids were watching it again. I like to think because it was comforting and fun during a very scary time. Like, Fantastical thinking. Yeah, I like like, to, yeah. Movie, like Marvel movies and, and all it's that also stuff. like it's really. I mean, the show is about superheroes, but it's really about family. Like it's about a family that loves mm-hmm. each other despite all of the other bullshit, mm-hmm. um, which is exactly how Nickelodeon would describe it. Yeah, that's the logline. <laughs> um, and so they came back and said, "We want to do something." With the IP, and I said, "No, thank you." <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I said, "I appreciate Trump it, card. but I would not <laughs> like to do that." Actually, I have a lot of baggage around growing up on this television show, and the idea of going back scares the shit out of me. Okay, um, and I was also doing other things in my career, and I just was like, I don't know how I could feasibly do both. And okay. they basically came back, and they were like, "But, but what if? Well, what if we did though?" And I was kind of like. They were they, and then they came back again. They were like, "But what if we did?" And I was like, "Okay, well, look, I." What if we did? What was it again? What if a reboot or a movie or something? Yeah, yeah, just something. Yeah. Um, and I, I will say to to the credit of everybody who I worked with, like I, I was very lucky to work with really wonderful people on that show. So that was a that was a plus. And so the the people who were coming to me, I was like, I really did feel feel terrible to say no, but I just wasn't emotionally ready at first to go back. A to go back into something that I did as a teenager. I, I, I just it just feels. Scary. It was just a big thing. And two, I felt very strongly about how I thought it should be done because I've seen so many shows get rebooted and like ruin the legacy. Yeah. And I care so deeply about that show. I I care so deeply about the fans Mm -hmm. because I was one. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't like a movie actor who got stuck doing Nickelodeon. I was an actor who I was a fan of kids. Yeah, you went straight into Yeah. I went from being the consumer to the to the creator. Mm -hmm. And I care about the kids. And I was like, if we're gonna do this. This, 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 this. You had a lot and, of, and they ideas. luckily they agreed and trusted me and let me let me take on the role of being an executive producer and like build this 
movie kind of from scratch with our, our creator, Jed Spingarn, who's like just an incredible person and friend I love and hearing that mentor. And honestly, it really is. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go down this road too much, but um, uh, it really is a creator uh, from the top down kind of mentality on any set, on we, any yeah, set, we, adult or ones with kids. Like it has to be, they're the role models. Yeah, we were very lucky that yeah. we had great show creators and great show runners. And our, our UPM Patty, Patty Gary Cox, mm -hmm. was just like, she's like a second mom to us. And she mm -hmm. fostered such, first of all, she she fostered such a sense of like loyalty amongst her crew because she mm -hmm. hired good people and she yeah. hired them over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, but our everybody who worked on our show walked away saying, that doesn't happen in Hollywood. You don't get a crew of people that are that tight. And there were some issues. Don't get me wrong. There's always some political drama between people and actors and whatever. But, mm -hmm. you know, there was a time where I was in a bathing suit for a scene and they had fitted it on Monday and my body looked different by Friday because hormones and it was a little too booby and they had mm. to cut a piece off of the bottom of my tankini and sew it on like when there was a live audience there and like oh wow to their credit they really tried to like put up a privacy screen and mm -hmm. like but that still does a number on your head you're like mm -hmm. oh am I ruining everything like mm -hmm. is my body the reason that everyone's gonna lose their job like mm. oh my goodness there, there were yeah of, there were some pressures well that's a good share though that's yeah. not like scandalous or anything. No, That's no, no, totally no. fine. No, there's, yeah. there's real tea that I'll give one day, but I, yeah, I would like for the prevailing message that I put out to be of like, I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. Wasn't always perfect, but I'm grateful. And mm -hmm. there are parts of it that I really loved and I'm glad Could, that I got to do it again for the movie. And I hope I get to continue doing it. Could you imagine if like everybody at any job other outside of this industry would be like, you know, I have tea about my, you know, my little league and I have tea about like, like people have tea. Yeah. Like tea happens to everybody. Tea happens. It's not an exclusive like child actor, Nickelodeon, Disney yeah. thing. It's really just like, it's just growing pains. And, totally. and but, but I will say like something that when we talked to Alison Stoner, it's like the stakes are, are, are extreme in that it's you're magnified. It's magnified. It's magnified. Yeah. By so much. Well, it's, that's the funny thing. I, I always, you're a millennial. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you remember all of the drama. I mean, you were also Disney, so you were, but like all of the like Selena, Miley, yeah. Demi, all of the- It was, it, when in my generation, it was Hillary and Lindsay. Right. Well, yeah. it's funny because that kind of drama happened with us too. And I remember just looking at it and being like, with this you? is just high school drama. Yeah. It just happens to be publicized. Oh yeah. yeah we had our, there yeah. we had our share of- So dumb. Of yeah, First of all, like, like, like not cool uh, with the press. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Don't take 16 year olds like, like do you disagreement. Have, why are you so obsessed with no, children? Because like, money and it's yeah, a business. Yeah, yeah. But I really think that there should be like when celebrities are talking about like paparazzi are not allowed to take pictures of kids. It's like, it's like, don't fuck with women and don't fuck with kids kind of thing. Mm. And it's like that. It's like, you don't fuck with like minors in their sex lives. Like don't yeah. talk about it. Yeah. Like they're doing their thing. Move along. Right. It's, it's interesting because I think that most of the people who are making those, they were obviously thinking about the consumers who are going to read it. They're making, I guess, whatever the OG version of clickbait was. Yeah. But they don't, I don't think they ever thought about the people themselves reading them. And that's always what, like, I remember seeing certain things written about myself where I would be like, the person who wrote this never considered the fact that I might be reading it with my own two eyes, mm. which is just interesting. I don't think they ever considered. So what did your parents say? Because they were like, were they kind of backing off at that point? When? Because you said they were, well, your parents are like super entwined no, in No, my parents life. were always... The, the way that my parents always operated, thank God, was like, we will never intrude and we are always here when you need us. Oh, I love that. So they let me do my own thing and they were always they there. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there were a couple of times where my dad stood up for me yeah. in times where like my body was being put into conversation or anything like that, where he would be like, hey, 
understand why you're saying that, but you understand why you can't say that. And usually people were amenable. They, they, they definitely protected me and mm-hmm. tried to keep, you yeah, know, I, reminding honest- me that you can't read the press. You can't read the good press. You can't read the bad press. Yeah. Your dad, having a strong male figure like advocate for you is probably one of the most healthiest things that a girl can have. Yeah, I'm very lucky. I have a really good relationship with my parents and they're, you know, hopelessly in love after 30 years as are my grandparents. Like I, my, I'm very privileged that yeah. I, I come from that. It's it, amazing. I definitely would not be, I would not be alive. <laughs> I would not be me without my, without my parents, you know, being yeah. great. So. I want to see your parents again. I want to like hang you out can with do them. That. We're friends not now. In Jersey. So. They're here. I know. <laughs> no, they're are. here. They're literally down the street. Oh, that's amazing. So yeah. did they relocate that, so, for you? This is also fascinating. Okay. So they moved out here with me. Mm-hmm. We were living in Florida at the time. Um, we, we, you know, we were from New York, New Jersey, and we moved to Florida. A lot for, of people do that. Yeah. We moved to Florida. My mom wanted to retire and my dad was like, let me just get a, a job and try to make some money and let, mm-hmm. let your mother retire and, hmm. um, you know, leave the industry. Eight shows a week is exhausting. Yeah. And I never saw her, oh, you know, it was, it was really hard. I would leave for school in the morning and she was asleep. And You were a latchkey kid. He, well, I had my dad, but he uh-huh. was in the studio, you know, yeah. working. So yeah. um, we were in Florida for my dad's work and then my dad had this crazy freak accident and couldn't work anymore. Mm. And we had no reason to stay in Florida anymore. And mm. so when this opportunity to come to LA and try this like acting summer camp, which led to us moving out here, came up, there was nothing keeping us from Florida. And so, and my dad was on disability, he couldn't work. My mom was retired. Mm. We were in the very unique position of both parents being able to come out to LA and the very unique position of being able to afford that because- And being an only child. And being an only child. I, I, I saw so many kids at my school I went to a, a school for like kids who were professionals. So it was okay. very transient. In kids Florida. coming out. No, here in LA. Oh yeah. High school. Which kids, one? Uh, it was called Brighton Hall. It used to be called San Fernando Valley Professional School. Oh wow. Um, I didn't know they had one here. Yeah. But it was like Sydney Sweeney and like yeah. uh, Demi Lovato siblings and Miley Cyrus's siblings. Like it was uh-huh. a lot of like Hollywood kids. Okay. I hope it's okay that I say I don't think any of them would mind me I saying don't where, think so. where Madison I Madison De La Garza, I love her so yes. much. She's um, a friend of the podcast. So I saw so many kids where they would come out with one parent. And the other parent would stay home with the other kid who couldn't miss their little league classes or whatever. And the parents would eventually get divorced. Yeah, and the kid, oh. would they would use up all the money and the kid wouldn't book a show during pilot season because it's really hard to book a show during pilot season, especially if you're only here during There's pilot no season. pilot season It doesn't anymore. work anymore. But back then it, yeah, it really yeah, was. Yeah. It was very much a pilot system. Uh-huh. Pilot season system. system. Yeah, mm. I watched a lot of those families break up. And I was always very grateful that I randomly, because of this freak accident, that my dad had, mm. man, and because of now I, was I need to know child. what was the freak accident. It's a story. So <gasps> okay, we'll round it out. I promise. But no. I want to know what is this yeah. freak accident. So, uh, two thousand seven. Uh huh. Fifteen years ago. I'm ten years old. It's my parents' anniversary. We are on the beach in Florida celebrating with some friends. There is a hurricane offshore, so really big waves. No one's allowed in the water. We're mm-hmm. all just kind of enjoying the sun and the sand. Mm-hmm. And my dad sees. A, a father with two young kids, a little boy and a little girl, and the boy runs off. And the dad's like, hey, come back. And he goes to the boy and leaves the girl standing kind of, you know, at the edge of the waves. She gets hit by a breaker, like hit by a big wave, kind of buckles at the knees, falls down, and gets pulled in <gasps> by an undercurrent. And my father sees this and being my father, runs over to save her. Of course. Dives into the water, pulls her out of the water, takes her out of the water, stands in the water watching the dad and child get reunited, making sure everything is okay. He's watching them walk away and he gets picked up by a tsunami wave, like a 20 foot wave from the back and slammed into the ground headfirst. And it's it's the equivalent of like a hundred mile an hour motorcycle accident. He shatters his shoulder, his whole brachial plexus. All of the little bones of his shoulder are lodged into his back. And he comes out of the water clutching his arm. And we're all like, oh no, did you dislocate your shoulder? Like you good? What happened? Where'd did you, you witness go? him no, get, oh. No. 
where'd you go? And he's like in serious pain. Like I've, I've seen my dad. I know my dad. Well, he was in pain and we were like, okay, what's going on? And we go to the hospital and then I don't see him for weeks. <laughs> I go to stay at a friend's house because he can't get surgery that night. He has to stay overnight. Um, it was, it was really traumatic. It, it was really, really scary. Um, he ended up coming home with like a breathing tube and he had, he had ear infections too because of the ocean. Uh-huh. His hand was completely like balled up, couldn't uh-huh. move it, no feeling in his whole arm and, and paralyzed at the shoulder. And eventually was able to go through a lot of physical therapy and he only has one bicep attached, but he's been able to do pretty remarkable things with just that one bicep. So nowadays he's able to get by pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he still has really horrible chronic pain and was he, he right was he right-handed was he was right-handed was he, was a, he was a conductor he was right-handed I, oh. he's a pianist oh no. um yeah so that was his that was his accident he was he was really you know couldn't get out of a chair for two years so he was out of oh it but God. two years later is when we moved to LA and he always says like if that accident hadn't happened he never would have stopped working he never would have been able to give up that company that he was working at and yeah we never would have moved to LA so he's he's weirdly grateful in it for yeah. it in a way which is crazy because it just shows you how much he you know, I also think they just me, have like, but. yeah, but they have a respect of the arts. It's like sure. you were a kid that had two art artistic parents. It's like I try to bring my kids to the Nutcracker every year, every Christmas. And it's what I can offer them right now because I can't be like, hey, we're in New York. Like, let's yeah. go to Broadway shows and stuff like that. But we went to we went to New York the other day um, and I just was like, you guys are coming and like we're doing all the things. And like, I just I just if there's anything that my awareness of the arts can gift to them is, yeah. is it's like passing it's that to them it's so it's gift. beautiful to hear that they were able to do that to you so successfully yeah. and inspiring to me you know as as having those yeah one precocious kids yeah I want to know more about that but one thing no, that I just realized I forgot to say because I just realized that this is a podcast that people will watch and not just a wonderful conversation oh. um turned out that girl's <laughs> name was Kira and she was about three years old and this was in 2007 so if your name is Kira and you're about 20 I guess, 19 or 20, and you were on the beach in Boca Raton Memorial Day of 2007, like, that's you. And I always had this fantasy that maybe she watched my show and, like, one day we would find her. She for sure watched your show. They were American? Yeah. Okay. I I mean, I would imagine, I I don't want to be like, she definitely knows who I am, but, like, the odds are not zero. So, internet, do your thing. Putting that out in the world, if your name is Kira and you have a brother and you were there with your brother and your dad, Memorial Day, like August 30th in Boca Raton, Florida at the Big Pink Hotel. Wow, that'd be so cool. You <laughs> Hit gotta me up. Kira, you gotta tell me. I will. Wow. Can you Her imagine? name was Kira too. Her name was Kira. Isn't that weird? I'm not Wild. one to like believe in fate or signs or anything. I'm yeah. pretty nihilist when it comes to that stuff, but like her name was Kira. It's not a common name. No, it's not a common name. It's a beautiful name. Yeah. It's what are your kids' names? Name. Isabella and Sophia. Pretty. Thank Those you. are They're princess, princess names. names. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh princess names and also princess we mom. are manifesting for you to be bell yes like you have to be bell please you are bell i you have watched that show i was know on that stage yes i know please that show disney please inside be. and out I, call me no really please you should be bell like if there's anyone that could do it i would think you would be fantastic. i used to fantastic. sing is this home like with my dad playing piano like yeah. every chance your I got. parents would and it would be such a crazy they full circle moment. That. Oh my god! And, and and your uncle could be the conductor. Yeah. Why don't you just produce it yourself, girl? Yeah, produce it yourself. 
I had to make some phone calls. No, but come on, you could. You could, could do this. Could. I've had people tell me that. They're like, you want to be in rent? Because rent was always like my go-to. I was, was like, it? I want to be Maureen so badly. Yeah. And somebody told me, they were like, just do it. Just yeah. do it for yourself. You know people. You've got the chutzpah. Yeah. For me, it was chorus line. Really? Because I was a dancer. Cassie? Is it yeah. Cassie? Yeah. But, well, You're my, too young for I'm Cassie. I'm way too young for Cassie. I'm, and I don't, and I'm, I'm too, like, I'm that And I'm age. too tall for Sheila. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. But yeah. my, my dad hired my mom doing the international tour of chorus line, and mm. that was how they met. So it's like family lore. Aww. It's like it would be a fun, fun full circle. But yeah, I also can't really, I can't dance like that anymore. I can't. Yeah. My back is. Oof. So no TikTok dancing for you then? I did a little bit in 2020 because you had to back then. But 2020 I, was wild. 2020, and I also like, <laughs> I've done my fair share of hip hop. Even saying hip hop sounds so nerdy, but like I've done my fair share of like the hippity hop tour. Yeah. The hip, the hip hop, like tour style <laughs> training. Cause I was, I was like, if I'm going to be a musician, yeah. like, I'm going to be a pop star. I need to know how to dance. Yeah. Um, but like I am a classically trained ballerina at heart and that does show when I try to do TikTok dances. We, I went to SAB. So did my mom. Really? Yes. I went to SAB I would have if my years. Oh my God. If you stayed east. Yeah. yeah I if mean, I hadn't switched to, to it, when I booked the show, I had to stop dancing because I was getting sick because I wasn't sleeping enough. And my UPM was like, sweetheart, you got to stop going to ballet after class for, after work for four hours a night because oh, wow. you can't sustain this. So I quit. Aww. Yeah. It's really hard on your body. Well, I went for two years and then they threw me out because my, um, my, my feet weren't, um, <laughs> <laughs> something wrong with my feet not arched enough <laughs> yeah meanwhile a lot of those girls like talk about when you talk about high performing like the the young professional ballerinas out there body they issues. were literally breaking their feet in half they would slam books on them to yeah. break their feet oh, yeah. so that they would have their toes or their th whatever's grow back their bones would grow back so that they could put their leg down on the ground and then have the foot. toes touch the floor yeah oh yeah i mean i used to be up at three in the morning with a foot stretcher like trying to like stretching and yeah yeah, I, yeah. The high performing, the high performing child thing is a. We've talked about that extensively. Do you want to have kids or a child? Or um, any, do you want to? For the for maybe the first time in my life, my answer is veering toward yes. I've always felt pretty strongly no. A just because the idea of having a child inside me it sounds so claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. um, the idea of being pregnant terrifies me, and I also have mm -hmm. I already have pretty bad mental health issues around like hormonal mm -hmm. issues, and so the idea of being pregnant like. If anyone's going to have postpartum depression, it's me, which mm -hmm. scares me. Okay. And I also am like, don't feel great about bringing a child into this world mm -hmm. with its yeah. current state. Sure. On the other hand, there is a lot of beauty to be had in the world. I think that I could make a pretty good person. I think mm -hmm. I can make a good, kind human. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I know that my partner would be an incredible. Aww. Now that I know it would be a little him. like, mm. I, See, it's funny you said it was a boy. I wonder if you ever. <laughs> well, I just mean a little version of him. Uh -huh. A little girl would also be a, a little him. Oh, let's, really? Let's, yeah. Oh, my God. I can. I can. My, ch my two daughters are blonde and blue eyed. Really? They have nothing of me. Do they look like their dad? They look identical. I'll show you a picture. Oh, funny. Identical as my husband. Yeah. yeah. Our, our kids, we, we always joke about it. Our kids will have great hair and bad backs. <laughs> We both have terrible backs in our family and great hair. And hopefully good point points. Yeah. I, I actually, I, we've, we've talked a lot about whether we would, A, if I would put my kid into dance. Yeah. Because if I did, it, it would be, I would have to, if I put my child into dance, it would be very important to me that I built a healthier relationship with food in their body than I was given. Yeah. Um, that would be a big thing for me. Yep. And we also talk a lot about whether we would send them to private school. Because from a, from a social justice perspective, Private school is really problematic. Mm -hmm. Like I, I would like to contribute to the public school system and the mm -hmm. mixing of kids and mm -hmm. private school can, it's, it's a little fucked when you think about it, but it offered me and him such, I wouldn't be who I am without the school that I went to. Well, and, because of the performing arts aspect of it though, right? Well, and just the attention. Mm -hmm. You know, I went to a school that when I was 
when I had behavioral issues, I had teachers who were able to say, oh, she's she's bored and mm. needs to be more challenged or she needs a different style of lear- learning, not like she's stupid and we're going to not give she's her. She's a problem child. Not just saying that that always happens in public school because obviously it depends on the teachers and where you are in the world. But, yeah. you know. Well, that's the other thing is what I'll say is that, you know, we people move to where I live in Austin for the public schools. They're like 10 mm-hmm. out of 10. Mm-hmm. But it's also an extremely affluent community. Well, right. The community, not necessarily where I live. But like, right. you know, it's it's like we moved there because we're like, OK, well, if we did decide. And by, and mind mm-hmm. you, we I always went to private schools. My parents didn't have a ton of money, but they they always put my siblings. I have three siblings and they all went to private schools. Wow. And 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 really expensive colleges and stuff like that. So we squeaked by, but that was like the one thing that they were always like, you can always spend money on an education. I don't know. And so we, and we always got like, um, what do you call it? Financial aid. We Mm -hmm. got a lot of financial aid. I, I got financial aid. Even when I went back to Columbia, I I was on a grant and they were so awesome to help me with that. But um, yeah, man, I mean, uh, private school, public school. Interesting. Do you think that I couldn't get in? We couldn't get my daughters into the private school because it's so competitive. Yeah, I'm sure. Do you think that, if your kids do or don't want to go to college, you'll feel a certain way. Is it important to you that they, that they do? Interesting. Yeah. I haven't thought about that. You've got some time. <laughs> I do. I do have time. And I haven't thought about that. I would like to think of myself as sort of just getting through this first round of like reparenting myself. <laughs> I'm like trying to just like not mess them up. Like even right now, like, yeah. like you said, it is a hellscape. And so you're keeping them safe. And it's the hardest. It. It's a harder time than ever, I think, to raise kids. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing that scares me about having kids is I'm like, oh, I have to also teach them about AI. Cool. We are as a as a as a species extremely adaptable. Mm-hmm. We are so highly intelligent and our main directive is to survive. Mm-hmm. So no procreate and and and, 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 yeah, fight and fuck. And so, you know what I'm saying? So like, I just truly believe like in, in unpacking this with you, who's a highly intelligent human being, um, who's Mm -hmm. seen a lot of perspectives that like, I don't want you to be entirely scared of whatever would happen to your body because your body is literally made to adapt to that. And in, and that I do also think that you could find resources and put people around you to kind of support that experience being optimized. Um, And also um, I do think that this world needs more hope or at least the discussion of hope as an option, because I don't think that like constantly barraging ourselves with like divisiveness. And that's not for me to be like, Oh, I'm conservative. I'm liberal. I'm this, I'm whatever. I'm like, literally, this is not a political argument. This is like, can we have hope? To right. survive as a fucking species. Right. There's there's a there's an it's too late fallacy with a lot of things, and that's the most dangerous thing because that's when everyone gives up and it's not. Yeah, late. I mean it's our birth our birth rates are definitely in decline because of that for sure. Yeah. In 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 yeah, and you're, you're it's also expensive to have a child, which probably doesn't one kid not as expensive, but like yes, in general, it's all expensive. Yeah. One kid okay, maybe one baby. Like a baby is actually not as expensive as you think it is. Yeah. Because all of those things um, oh, I don't mean a baby. I mean a human. You mean like as they grow? I mean a person. See, you have to be many, dumb many like years. me and not be thinking about that. Yeah, one step at a <laughs> You're time. Too smart. <laughs> Maybe that's the way to go. Maybe that's. I'm already. I'm always thinking too much. I'm that's excited my whole thing. for you. I think there's such Thank good you. stuff, uh, you know, coming down the pike with everything you've got going on, and I can't wait to be able to actually talk to you about if Thundermans comes back as the reboot with the movie. Then mm-hmm. when will it come out? Twenty you think? next year, early next year. Oh, great! They announced it at VidCon. That was why I was there. Oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's so. going to be really cool. And then they're going to test it and then see if you go back in. You don't know, but you're down for whatever. That's what's important. Okay. 
Great. So what else is going on? Do you have mu- new music happening? Okay. So we're just, That's it. we need you to get a podcast. Well, I'm working on it. I've yeah. got, I've got two like unscripted things that I've been in the process of developing. Amazing. Working as an executive producer kind of like gave me the confidence a little bit to be like, oh, I know what I'm doing. Like I've been yeah. in this industry for a long time. And this is, yeah, that's the thing is as you're getting older and what I'm realizing too is like, yeah. there's younger people than me. Like, yeah, I with much now, higher positions and power. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I, I very much am an imposter syndrome, inferiority mm-hmm. complex kind of gal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and I also think I think of myself as being 16. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no one's going to take me seriously. And then I'm yes. like, I'm, I'm just a baby. Literally 26. Like, that's not <laughs> yes. what? Like, there are people with four children at my age who are that's just allowed true. to have children. That's true. Um, <laughs> it's crazy that anyone's just allowed to have children. Um, but yeah, yeah so I, it gave me a little bit of confidence. So I've been working on some pitches and trying to develop some things. I mean, look, I... I put it out into the universe. I would love to eventually be creating shows for for kids content and making environments where kids feel safe and su- mm. supported and respected and like where I can take my experience of the good and the bad and try to make something where kids can be on TV and maybe not have so terrible of a time of it. Yeah. Here's actually well, you were actually invited into a coalition. Meeting. I was. I wasn't even fucking there. I know, I can't believe you missed it. But we've had lots more meetings since then. <sighs> OK. But yeah, there's this incredible. I mean, you're probably more equipped to talk about it than I am. But <laughs> no, not there's at all. an incredible coalition brewing mm-hmm. Christy and myself and Allison Stoner and a couple of. of Blair Amani is going to be up on there. I mean, like literally like we're just growing in 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 our approach. Like, yeah, we're going to in the looking ahead program who I'd be remiss not to mention. I'm on the advisory board. I need to introduce you to them as well. So see, you're seeing advocacy in real time here. (laughs) It's always a little bit diluted because I live in Austin. I have two kids like, you know, she's doing amazing things. And so this this progress that we are all very much rooting for is is happening over time. And so many people are always like, hey, how can I help? What can I do? And so so we're getting there. I think it's happening soon. I think in the it's next good. year. I will say my, my personal experience meeting with this coalition of people trying to make a better world for for young performers was a really cool because I was like, how can I help? I've got a lot of knowledge, blah, 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 blah. But on the other hand, it was really just like it kind of turned into a therapy session. That's okay. Oh, it, and Mara Wilson, too. It was, it yes. was Mara Wilson who, God, what a just brilliant, yeah. talented angel. Mara Wilson and me and Allison Stoner, and we missed you. And just, I was so, it's my coalition. I, and I we, wasn't even you there. missed it. You invite, it was funnier because, too, because you invited me. You were like, hey, I have a coalition meeting. And I was like, what is a coalition? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. And you're yeah. like, oh, it's this thing. And I was like, I, I still don't know what it is, but I'll show up. And then had the best time ever. But it Great. ended up being a therapy session of all of us talking about the stuff that I'm not talking about on this podcast because <laughs> I, I want to be a little bit, I don't know. I'm just not at that point in my career yet where I feel comfortable really spilling any tea. And that's but, com- but you don't even need to spill tea. Like we understand. But we it was very you. healing. You're here too. Yes. Here's we what I love about you. We felt very seen. I love that you are still- Tell me what you love about me, please. I will. My I will, ego needs it right now. I will. And I will end on this. You don't have to be scared to be supportive. Like you don't have to worry about being outed. Like nobody in the community of people who are advocating for child performers is a whistleblower. Like I think that's like what people are thinking it's gonna be like a Me Too movement. It's not that. It's literally just there's child laborers and we wanna optimize their rights and representations and whatever else you wanna look at it or however you wanna frame it, the outcome is to protect kids. That's it, that's it. Just to make everyone happy. Bars, bro. Is that okay? Bars. Okay, that's it. Um, Kira, please, where can we find you? Obviously, we can follow you on TikTok. Every corner of the internet. Your yeah. favorite place. My favorite place that makes me so happy and definitely <laughs> doesn't send me spiraling into an existential crisis every morning and night. Um, find me on TikTok, <laughs> at Kira Kosserin, Instagram, Twitter. I love Instagram. I, I use love Instagram, Instagram like a collage photo diary at this I, point. It's it's a basic bitch content place I and I'm here it. for it. It makes me feel at home. Yeah. It's the millennial side of me. You um, say I am cringe, but I am free. Is cringes. Cringe. Don't what is kill it? the part of you that's cringe. Kill the part of you that cringes. <gasps> 
Um, yeah, you can find me everywhere and watch the Thunderman's movie 2024. I'm hey. really proud of it. Worked really hard on it. <laughs> yes. Tried to make it a really good combination of what we loved from the original show and also a movie. Stay tuned. I love that. Don't and, change that dial. And I love you, Kira. Thank you for coming. You, you for are me. awesome. Thank you. You are also awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Is there a better word for awesome? No. It's classic. Okay. Thanks so much for watching this episode of The Vulnerable Podcast. To check out clips from the pod, check out the Vulnerable Podcast Clips channel, and the YouTube link is in the description.